You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So instead, we're going to hire a professional voice actor and pay him absurd amounts of money to say, I like this product. Hmm, not sure why that was better. I mean, I'm a professional too. But we didn't pay him to say the business part, so back to me. Save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. Sorry, I know hearing me say it was a bit of a letdown. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sometimes the bad guys win. Sometimes the people with the worst intentions get what they want in life, and their victims lose everything. Like when one unemployed German lathe operator attempted to murder the best tennis player in the world with a 9-inch boning knife in 1993 on live TV. This summer, the Serbian tennis player Novak Djokovic won his 19th and 20th major tournaments at the French Open in Wimbledon. He is now tied with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal with 20 major titles, the most in men's tennis history. Having followed his career, I've been thinking lately, again, of Monica Celeste. Much like Djokovic, Celeste was an exciting, charismatic, mold-breaker from modern-day Serbia, then part of Yugoslavia. The two players' hometowns, Novi Sad and Belgrade, are just an hour apart. But nobody ever tried to murder Djokovic on a tennis court. If only Celeste could say the same. The start to her career is simply unmatched in the history of women's tennis. She won her first major at the French Open in 1990. At age 16, and beginning in 1991, went on to win seven of nine Grand Slam events. For a total of eight wins in her first 14 major tournaments, in January of 1993, she won the eighth by beating the former number one, Steffi Graf, in three sets. For those two years, from 91 to 93, Celeste wasn't just the most dominant women's tennis player, she was the most dominant athlete in any sport and any gender. And at 19 years old, she was just getting started. For context, Novak Djokovic, her countryman, now on the brink of becoming the greatest men's player ever, didn't win his first tournament until he was 20. But in 1993, not everyone was cheering. Before the exciting young Yugoslavian had come along, Steffi Graf had been the darling of the tennis world. She was quiet, graceful, and blonde. She danced and sliced her way around the court with smooth efficiency, just as most pundits thought a woman should play. Celeste was a thumper, a hard-hitting lefty with dark, wildly curly hair who grunted when she swung. She outmuscled her opponents with risky, aggressive shots from everywhere on the court. And along with her physical power, her fearlessness and mental toughness set her apart. Tennis historians will tell you that the Graf-Celeste rivalry, with its radical contrasts and style and personalities, still represents the most popular era in the history of the sport. From 1990 to 1993, 
the woman's game was arguably more popular than the men's, which has never happened before or since. But in April of 1993, with Celeste sitting alone at the top of the tennis world, the rivalry changed. During a routine dismantling of a lower-ranked opponent, the Bulgarian Magdalena Maliva, Celeste took an extended water break on her courtside bench. It was a sleepy Friday afternoon in Hamburg, Germany, and almost no one took notice when a small, balding man stepped over the courtside barrier with a boning knife as long as his forearm. His name was Gunter Parch, and he was a supporter of Graf, a fellow German. The more Celeste won, the madder he became. And when Celeste began to dominate the rivalry, he was so distraught he considered killing himself. Unfortunately, he decided to kill Celeste instead. When the woman's tour came to Hamburg, Parcher bought a ticket for one purpose, stopping his hero's rival. Once past the barrier, Parche raced to Celeste's back and raised his knife with two hands above her head. Relaxed and unaware of the white bench in front of him, he was aiming for her heart, or if he missed that, her spine. Soon, the tip of that nine-inch blade would be visible on her chest, sticking out from her tank top, soaking her chest with blood. But as the steel flashed in the sunlight, a fan called out, and Monica turned, not all the way around, but enough to save her life. Parche missed his mark, and within seconds, security was dragging him off the court. Right before the stabbing, the television broadcast cut away from the court, as it tends to do between games, with the score on the screen and the crowd murmuring in the background. You hear the fan, and then Celeste's muted cry. When the coverage cuts back to the court, you see Celeste with a hand on her back, feeling the wound but unsure of what has happened. Officials quickly surround her and move her slowly to the ground. Parchi is in a chokehold as another man tears the knife from his hand. While security drags him off the court, Celeste sits in the red clay surrounded by a growing group of officials. They tell her she's been stabbed, and we watch her face shift for the next few minutes between confusion and horrified comprehension. She nearly faints, nearly hyperventilates, and appears to be questioning everything she thought she knew about what it meant to stand on a tennis court. She would never be the same. Hometown History is brought to you by Indeed. When you pay for a job site, you should know what you're getting. Get Indeed and only pay for quality candidates that meet your must-have requirements. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Indeed knows how important it is to make the most of your recruiting hours and dollars. With Indeed, you can save time and money by setting your must-have requirements. 
and only paying for the quality candidates that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash hometown. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash hometown. Indeed.com slash hometown. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. When she heads to the locker room for further evaluation, she forfeits the match, the first ever loss in tennis history on account of being literally stabbed in the back. Maliva, her overmatched opponent, advances by default and loses in the next round. In the week that follows, Celeste undergoes surgery to repair the severed muscle and tissue in her back, just beneath her shoulder. Doctors tell her she would be paralyzed had she not leaned forward. The wound heals, but Celeste suffers chronic pain from scarring. And worse, she suffers sudden crying spells and panic attacks and is soon diagnosed with PTSD. By the time she finally returns to the tour, her hiatus from professional tennis had lasted two years. For his attempt to murder a teenage girl on international television, German courts sentence Parsha to two years probation. And to make matters worse, his plan works. With Celeste out, Graf wins the next four Grand Slam events on her way to becoming the greatest female athlete of the modern era, with a total of 22 Grand Slam championships. By the time Celeste is back on tour, she's anxiety-ridden and out of shape. Her once legendary nerve and confidence is shaken. She wins just one more major tournament, topping out at a total of nine. Following another loss at the French Open in 1996, a Los Angeles Times article noted the following difference in her game. Quote, Celeste, normally fearless and a risk-taker, was timid and circumspect. Though she has nothing in her history to suggest she would ever choke during a match, she visibly tightened. Celeste was not herself. Under a blazing sun, her famous strength of mind wilted. She was quoted as saying, There are not too many excuses. I just played very scared. That shouldn't have been the way I should have gone out today on the court. I didn't take any chances. I played really defensive, which is not my style of game. If I'm on the tennis court, I should not play that way. Even her opponent was surprised by saying, I felt she was serving bad. A couple of games she served normally and had some easy games, but she was serving really, really bad. Even the first serve was weak. Because Celeste was the number one ranked player in the world when she was stabbed, the Women's Tennis Association proposed holding her ranking until she was ready to play again. Tennis rankings are not like boxing titles. You don't hold them until someone beats you and takes them away. They're more like a merit system, where you have to keep playing and winning in order to hold your spot in the pecking order. But it seemed crazy for Celeste to lose her status simply because a fan tried to kill her on live TV. The WTA put their proposal to protect Celeste's ranking until she returned to a vote among all female players on tour. They rejected it unanimously. In Hamburg, Celeste needed a security guard to have her back in the most literal way. In the aftermath of the near tragedy, she needed her peers to have her back in a different way. They failed her too. The media was even worse. 
at her first tournament in Madrid since the stabbing, the host of a Spanish tabloid show rushed forward, wielding a huge knife made of spongy material, shouting, Take it, Monica. It's for you. The once fierce competitor, who had so cheerfully dominated her sport, now struggled with depression and binge eating, becoming more of a sympathetic figure than a star. For my money, Monica Celeste remains the greatest women's tennis player of all time, arguably the greatest altogether. And every time I think of her, I think of how arbitrary and cruel life can be. Had she not been stabbed, she might have won 30 majors, or had she been stabbed years earlier, she might never have won at all. Success in this life is often arbitrary, which is to say that failure is too. Behind every loser is likely a good reason or a bunch of good reasons for why they always lose. And not every wound is so visible as a televised attempted murder. The case of Monica Celeste reminds us that we can never have enough grace. We can never know what we'll never know about the people around us. And our impulse to judge should always be measured by this realization. The best players aren't always the ones holding the trophy. The best people often lose. And the things that have interrupted other people's success would probably have done the same to you.